Today we start a new series, Live the Gospel of Christ, a study of First and Second Timothy. The themes of these books, really letters written by Paul, is that the gospel leads to practical, visible change in the lives of those who believe. And so we are to live the gospel of Christ. Throughout this study, we will see the sharp contrast between a life lived for Christ and a life lived for self or a worldly life, a life based on lies. These letters differ from the six letters we previously studied in Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, in that those letters were addressed to church communities, but these are written to co-workers or co-laborers who have leadership responsibilities, specifically those who have pastoral care and oversight over the church community. That is why 1st and 2nd Timothy, along with Titus, are called pastoral epistles. Epistles meaning a literary work composed of a series of letters. The book of Timothy is considered to have the most complete summary in the Bible of a pastor's ministry and spiritual qualifications. A pastor's primary role is to teach, to disciple, with all that entails, and to testify of Jesus to the lost. They are to testify not only with their words, but by the manner in which they live. In other words, they are to live out the gospel. The traditional position is that these letters were written around the mid-60s AD, between the time of Paul's release from prison in Rome and before he was killed for his faith by Nero, in 68 AD. During this time, we know because of persecution, Paul couldn't physically be with the church community he had founded. And so we know he wrote letters and also sent trusted leaders to disciple the church community. So let's start by reading 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by command of God our Savior, and of Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. So again, we see clearly from scripture in verse one that Paul is the author of this letter. He identifies himself as an apostle, meaning one sent or a messenger of God. Paul states, this is by command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. This is in order to leave no question of his spiritual or divine authority regarding what is written in these letters. Paul often describes God the Father and God the Son as saviors of his people. Indeed, the plan of salvation is the work of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus carrying out the will of his Father in obedience and in the power of the Holy Spirit in order to bring his salvation. A reminder again of the sure hope we have in God's chosen way of salvation through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. In verse 2, it is clear also that this letter is addressed to Timothy. 
Paul tells Timothy that he is his true child in the faith. As we know from our former study, Paul was a spiritual father to Timothy. In this statement, Paul is showing Timothy the love of a father for his son. Paul doesn't want Timothy to question their relationship and how he feels about him. Paul wants Timothy to be confident in his love for him, but also in God the Father's love for him and call on his life. It's like when we truly recognize that through Jesus, we are adopted into God's family. Scripture tells us, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. John 1, 12. We can be confident to live out the truth of the gospel when we know who we are in Christ when we know how much the Father sees and loves us as his children and brings his salvation. And so we also see from our former study that Timothy is a trusted co-worker in the gospel. As Paul wrote about Timothy in his letter to the Philippian church, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. Philippians 2.20 so we see that Paul has charged Timothy to go to this church community, knowing he will represent him well, but most importantly, he will represent Christ well, because he knows Timothy will show genuine concern and love, the love of Christ, as he ministers to the needs of this church community. This is why Timothy is called and trusted with this responsibility as a pastor, and so we see here that to be a pastor, one must be called by God. And this is a high calling, one entrusted to show genuine concern and love for those under his or her care. This is a calling that can only be done with the guidance, help, and power of God's Holy Spirit. We will see in this letter some specific instructions for the care of those in need such as widows and servants. This care demonstrating a life that lives out the gospel of Christ to all regardless of their status. A life that bears his fruit of the spirit, the greatest being love. So Paul has also charged Timothy to go to the church at Ephesus to disciple and deal with specific issues concerning this church. And so Paul writes this letter to Timothy to offer encouragement and guidance as a loving father and as a co-laborer in the faith. Paul specifically charges Timothy to deal with the false teachers and to teach all that Christian behavior is to be grounded in the gospel. Throughout this study, we will see the contrast between a life that lives the gospel of Christ and one that is opposed to the gospel. We will see lives of arrogance, greed, pride, and speculation, lives not standing on the truth, but denying the gospel and God's power to save. But as followers of Christ, we are to model, are to show a visual contrast between the old life without Christ and one now lived with Christ or in Christ. In verse two, we also see grace, 
mercy, and peace. This is about God's salvation. In Sunday's sermon, Pastor Rachel talked about salvation. It seems like the Lord wants us to talk about it again. Only those who have received salvation can live the life of Christ. Grace and peace is a typical salutation or opening in Paul's letters. But here, Paul adds mercy. He writes, grace, mercy, and peace. And we know nothing is in the scripture by coincidence or without a purpose. So God wants us to see his mercy here too. While grace and mercy are closely related, they are not the same. Grace is about God's kindness and compassion to bestow his gift or favor by offering his salvation and his gift of the Holy Spirit so that we can live godly lives and have relationship with a holy God. So here we are talking about saving grace. On the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaks of God's grace to make his sun shine on the evil and on the good. And he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. But contrast with how those who are God's children, those who have God's saving grace, are supposed to live. So it is through God's saving grace that we have his divine help so that we can live lives that forgive and are forgiven, holy, sanctified lives before him in the presence of a holy God. Now, mercy also has to do with God's gift of salvation. And it's also because of his loving kindness and compassion. But it's often spoken of in the context of God's deliverance from judgment. And we see that in Deuteronomy 4. God not punishing us for our sins in the way that we deserve. As David cries in Psalm 51, 1-2, in recognition of his sin, asking God to have mercy according to his unfailing love and kindness, asking God not to judge him as his sin deserves. As we know, all sin is deserving of eternal judgment. So every day we live is an act of God's mercy. If anyone knows this, it is Paul. Paul's life transformed by the gospel of Christ. Paul, once a blasphemer and a murderer of Christians, now transformed by God's mercy. This is the sign of a true follower of Christ, the one who has the very life of Christ in them by the Holy Spirit, the one that no longer lives the former life, the one that has been forgiven. This is in contrast to the false teachers and those who follow them that Paul will reference in this letter. Those who profess to follow Christ but live in an evil manner and are in danger of being cut off from God's mercy. He still offers his mercy freely before the final judgment to those who are willing to recognize their sin and turn to him and receive his gift of salvation. There is still opportunity to come and receive God's saving grace and mercy, and live a life transformed by the power of his Holy Spirit, a life lived in peace with God and with others, 
This is the result of the gospel. So let us thank God for this new study, that we may live in the saving grace and mercy of our Lord and the peace it brings. So I declare over you, and I pray that you may live in his saving grace, his mercy and his peace that comes from God the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. May you live the life of the gospel and declare it to others, not just with words, but with a transformed life. Let us pray. Lord, we come before you and we're reminded when you passed before Moses and you said, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. I pray today that if there is anyone who has not received your salvation, your saving grace and mercy and your peace, that today will be the day of salvation. I pray that they would see the love of you, the Father, your grace and mercy to send your only Son to show us the way to live, to die on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. I pray that they would turn to you, Lord, and know that you give the gift of your Holy Spirit when we believe. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who helps us live lives in relationship with you, helps us live transformed lives by your gospel. I pray also that those who already have received your saving grace and mercy would be bold to tell others so they too can be saved. Live lives transformed by your gospel in the power of your Holy Spirit. So I pray they receive that each one here receives the, the grace, mercy, and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray this in the name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. If you were moved by today's message, that was the Holy Spirit wooing you to himself. God created the entire universe so that he could be in relationship with us, so that he could be in relationship with you. His son came to the earth. Though he was completely without sin, he died the death of a sinner, took all of our sins upon himself, and was resurrected so that we could have eternal life. All we need to do is accept what he did for us. You can find out more at westchesterchapel.org forward slash salvation. But why not pray with me right now? Lord Jesus, thank you for suffering and dying for me. Thank you that your death atoned for everything that I've done to separate me from you. I pray that you would forgive me of my sins, wash me clean, and Holy Spirit, come into my life and empower me to live for you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we'd love to know about it. Please send an email to info at westchesterchapel.org. Now, our website is under construction right now, so these links may or may not work, but if you go to westchesterchapel.blogspot.com, in the right-hand column, you'll see an article on salvation and a way to get in touch there. If you live in or near Westchester County, we hope you'll join us. Find out when we're meeting at westchesterchapel.org. Again, that website may be under construction, but be patient with us. 
Also, if you're outside of the area, you can join us on Zoom, and that info will be there as well. But we do encourage you to get plugged into a local body of Christ-centered, Bible-believing Christians. Lord bless you.